Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And we're El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Traore with Watkins available. Traore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big clap mate. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be trying to make sense of the international break shenanigans, putting the focus on the Aston Villa attack and looking ahead to the trip to Stamford Bridge as Villa take on the European champions this Saturday. I'm Andy and today I'm joined again by Mr Craig Storrid. How are you man? Oh yeah good 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 it's international break and um, the Aston Villa stuff is uh, is still bubbling away. We uh, we had some players in the middle of an international incident a couple of days ago so uh, Villa are never far away from the news and uh, looking forward to covering that today as well as some of the comments from Mr. Grylish uh, to ITV um, so um, yeah we've got lots to discuss today. Yeah, we have. And we'll start with the uh, the fiasco of the international break in terms of the South American players, the Argentine players that, that, that went on international duty. And we did mention it last week um, that Emi Martinez and Emi Buendia um, had to obviously, or decided to go um, to join up with the Argent- Argentina squad um, for their, friend- for their um, qualifiers. And... Um, there was quite frankly, they were caught up in a in a COVID protocol circus during their during their game um, in Brazil. Um, there had been confusion over whether the players, you know, had certain arrangements to ensure that they were they were back in time to quarantine prior to the the Everton match on the eighteenth of September. However, all that seemed to be blown out of the water as Argentina's match with Brazil was interrupted by. Um, Brazilian officials entering the field of play, um, apparently to arrest the uh, UK base players. I think there was four or five of them um, for not isolating for the correct period of time, which I think is two weeks um, after entering Brazil from from the UK. Um, it seems that uh, this may have worked in our favour um, as the the players are now sort of heading, or they're back in the in Europe and they. They will certainly be available, hopefully, for that for that Everton game. Um, but but I mean, what a mess this is! And surely, you know, this needs to be sort of taken as a as a teachable moment, really, in terms of these international breaks um, going forward. Now, what a mess! Oh my goodness! Yes, I think it's definitely a teachable moment, Andy, and it goes down as an absolute farce. I mean, those scenes in Brazil with the Brazilian health officials storming the field of play. I mean, that, that kind of stuff would not be out of place in a Benny Hill sketch. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Uh, some of our, I've just aged myself there. Some of our younger <laughs> listeners, you may want to Google or YouTube the Benny Hill reference, and I assure you it will all make sense. Um, but yeah, I think the first thing to say about it, and, and, and we should be clear about this, and I said this on Twitter as well, is that this none of this nonsense is the player's fault. Um, Emi Buendia, Emi Martinez are not responsible for this farce. 
Um, they have taken some uh, some shots, as it were, from some of the Villa fan base. But uh, as we covered last week, um, this really isn't their fault. But having said that, they do they are active participants. I mean, if we read between the lines, it seems to me to be quite clear that Villa initially told the two Emmys that um, we didn't want to release them for those fixtures uh, in the same way that Marvelous was not released for uh, Zimbabwe. I think that's what they were told. I think that uh, the Villa players said, look, we want to go. And then, as we discussed last week, Villa had a bit of a decision to make. I think it's really tricky. Um, Douglas Louise, I think, didn't go, but that was slightly different as Brazil, which is interesting because they're also caught up in this nonsense, did not call up any of the Premier League players. So fair play to them. But Argentina did. Argentina plowed ahead. They they called up those uh, four Premier League-based players, uh, two at Villa as well as Los Salso Romero. And um, ultimately, I think Villa have asked the Emmys not to go. The Emmys have said, we're going. And I think the two parties have come up with a compromise. And the compromise was they're going to miss the Chelsea game, but return in time for the Everton game. So um, lots of Villa fans, and I don't know what you think about this, Lots, some Villa fans on Twitter, um, Andy, have labelled Villa's stance soft you know, typical soft Villa, soft this, soft that. Um, but I think it's sensible, actually, Villa stance. I think Tottenham now are in a position where they didn't release those players and now those players are going to get fined. They're going to have some upset players on their hands. And, and, and you know, Emi Martinez is our starting goalkeeper. Emi Buendia is our record signing. We can't afford to just uh, upset them necessarily. So I think Villa did the best in a bad situation. I don't know how you feel about it, Andy. Yeah, I, I totally agree that you can't you can't throw any any, any blame towards the players as such. Um, having said, I mean, you know, there is an individual responsibility here, and um, you know, these players haven't come down in the last rain shower. You know, they they know what's been going on in the world for the last eighteen months or longer, and um, they're aware of, of of the travel restrictions and the quarantine issues that are in place, and and they. They, they knew about all that and they still chose to go. Um, I'd be amazed if they didn't know that uh, they they would be subject to um, self-isolation for two weeks prior um, to going to Brazil or, or, you know, arriving in Brazil and that they essentially wouldn't be able to, to play that game or it would be illegal for them to play that game. So it's, 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 it's a bit strange. There is, a, there is a, a personal responsibility, but having said that, um, they were called up. They, they, as far as I'm concerned, they attended their their um, international duty in good faith, and um, they wanted to play. They obviously want to be a big part of that going forward into the World Cup, which is to- totally understandable, you know. And I and I get that. the 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 issue really lies with the authorities, and first of all, the Argentine um, authorities um, and the coach and the you know, and, and and their association who presumably have, have ignored any kind of rulings that have that are in place and just, just gone ahead regardless. Um and you know, of course of course FIFA um and, and the 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 regional um or you know the the governing bodies, I'm not sure what it's called um in South America Com- but common ball. Common ball. So you know they're they're involved in, in in obviously arranging these fixtures and you know it's 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 absolutely crazy the amount of games that that 
international games that they're playing. I mean, England, you know, normally by by now the England players would be would be back on their way back to their their, their clubs and having finished their international duty, or they'd be playing tonight. But they've got another match tomorrow. That you know, three matches in a in a two weekend international break. I just think it's, and I know they're trying to catch up, but yeah, sometimes you've just got to, you know, be a bit sensible about things, haven't you? But you know, whatever the whatever the situation it is, a, it is a complete mess. I just hope that there's no um, there's no difficulties between between the two players and the, and the club, like you say. You know, Spurs took a very different stance, and it didn't do them any favors. To, to be honest, uh, the players yeah, still went. You know, was well, going to bite yeah. them in the backside, and 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 those players aren't key for Spurs, like our players. You know, uh, are key for us in terms of Martinez and Bundia and the stature in the team. And I think for the Villa management, if you're in management, lots of you listening will be in management, or if you're not in management, you have managers, uh, some of whom you may enjoy, some of whom you may not enjoy. You, if Any good manager will always try and work with your people rather than against them. I think Villa have done that. They've tried to work with them, find a compromise. So you're having two players who, who in, in Buendillas, uh, Buendillas, uh, Martinez and Buendia, I just made their name and combined it. It was like a, it was like a uh, oh, what's the Affleck? and J-Lo one yeah, I think they're James, back together yeah. I do they know. have one <laughs> I, I don't know either do. alright anyway so uh, yeah so they're they're together now Buen Martinez uh, that's a bad one <laughs> anyway and uh, they're, they're in Croatia um, but they're going to come back to Villa probably a little bit distressed with what's gone on but not upset with Villa they're going to come back to Villa as and, and, and know that Aston Villa have been on their side but Andy we are one month away from this happening again. October 7th, another raft of... Inf- October 7th, Argentina have another fixture. Argentina presumably will... Um, or the UK will presumably still be on the red list of many countries as it is on the US red list. Um, unless you know something about the, the COVID situation improving rapidly in the next four weeks in the UK. Um, we're in the same boat again in four weeks' time, Andy. Well, yeah, and it's certainly not going to improve. I guess we can all that we can really hope for is it stays the same. But um, I, I think, um, I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? There's more fixtures to come. Um, October, November, there'll be international breaks where where these teams will have um, an issue. And and of course, I mean, Dan, I haven't had a chance to look yet, but but um, Dan put on our on our. Um, WhatsApp group that uh, Leon Bailey is going to be um, expected to travel to a few of these um, sort of red list countries as well, which you know you've got another player there that's that's going to be quite rightly wanting to go and play for his country because they're they're on a bit of an upward curve and heading for the World Cup hopefully. So you know it's 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 it, this is going to be. It's going to be a really tricky season, I think, for 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 Villa and but for a lot of clubs um, to manage this and and whether there's you know any um, sort of clever strategists within FIFA or, or UEFA or wherever who can come up with a better way um, of of playing these games, whether it means playing them in in different countries um, to avoid quarantining and things like that. I don't know, but you know it's, it just feels like it's gonna it's gonna rumble on. There's going to have to be some sort of solution because this nonsense can't keep happening every month. And it works both ways, by the way. This isn't us pointing the finger at other nations and saying, you know, you know, they are red list countries. But as I said earlier, the UK is a red list country. My family and friends cannot come 
to visit us in America right now because the UK, travelers from the UK is banned because it is, it is seen by countries such as the US and Brazil, as was demonstrated with the scenes we saw there with the uh, health minister uh, storming the field. Uh, you know, UK visitors are seen as undesirable for because of the COVID response over there. So it's a whole big meaty mess. But what I would say uh, from a, a more Aston Villa-centric um, position, Andy, Emi Buendia, he's gone over... He wasn't. He hasn't played a minute. Wasn't no. even named on the bench. No. So, do you turn around and give different different treatment then to Buendia? Can Villa do that? Can Villa say, "Look, Buendia, with all the best will in the world, mate, you're not even on the bench. So you stay put, Emmy. You can go because you're starting." Or is that just unworkable from the get go? Um. Well, if you look at the balance of the squad, I'd be more inclined to do it the other way around <laughs> from a Villa point of view. But um, yeah, absolutely. There is that feeling, isn't there? But but nevertheless, I you know, being called up to a squad and not being used is 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 fine. I mean, you know, if, if, if all the England players... Well, we've had it, haven't we, in the past where England players have have retired from international duty because they're fed up of being called up to the squad and not, not getting picked. It You know, it does happen. Um but um, these guys just seem to, you know, it's their, it's their, um, it's their priority. It's it's their professional priority to re- represent the country. And Buendia would be absolutely gutted if um, if he wasn't allowed to go because there may be a chance, you know, at some point he's going to get his opportunity. So he doesn't want to miss out on that. Um, so I understand that he, he he wants to go. I think I think if you've got the two players there, you have to treat them both the same. And and if you're going to allow one, uh, you allow them both. That's my view. Well, that sounds that sounds far too sensible for my liking, Andy. <laughs> I think say no, Buendia, you're not in the team, you're not going. But obviously, yeah. no, I know that I'd, that's that's not real I'd, world. That's not how it should should work. I'd make a better manager. Clearly, you would. You would. <laughs> a steady hand on the tiller. That's right, yeah, and and that's what that's what we need, and that's what we have. I think with with Dean Smith, I think he did say that he was, you know, his his position was fairly clear that he'd rather they didn't go, but you know, I guess he understands the um, the need of these players, and if you're going to sign players from the other side of the world, you have to accept that you know this is this is this is part of what what being a top Premier League club is all about. You have internationals. And um, they're going to go and want to. They want going to want to go and play for their their countries, and and that's part of the trade off. Um, otherwise, you just you just sign uh, UK based players and um, and hope it clicks. Um, you sign UK pay- based players, they get into the England setup, and then they get poached by the teams. Well, that's that's, it, it the, other, that's the other aspect. Yeah, that, that is how the many, other aspect. How many players have Villa had over the years make it into the England setup? And then uh, do one, you know, yeah. we're looking at all of them, really. Uh, Downing, Barry, Ashley Young, Milner, Delph. Mm. Did I say Delph already? And, uh, of course, our, our friend Jack Grealish, we're going to talk about in a minute. So, you know, it seems uh, it seems you're damned if you do or damned if you don't with Villa and uh, recruitment. Yeah, I mean, there is that. Again, it's part of, you know, being that, being that kind of middling club, I suppose, in the Premier League, you know, you, you're in that, you're in that threshold, aren't you? Where um, you, you're not quite, perhaps not quite big enough to keep your best players, and 
you know. But I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be discussing um, these things as the season goes on, and certainly if uh, if one or two of our likely lads get 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 the call ups, they they perhaps deserve as the season goes on. So, um, but um, we've got obviously we'll have to leave that and 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 see what happens over the next uh, couple of weeks, and hope that these guys are are back for the Everton game, um, fit and firing, ready to go. Um, but with no match to review um, this week, I thought it perhaps an opportunity for us to take a bit of a closer look at the at Villa's new untried but fairly exciting attacking lineup um, that we've we've put together over the summer. Um, so far, that you know we have uh, seen certain impacts from from Danny Ings and, and Buendia. Um, Whilst last season's top scorer Ollie Watkins has only played for, for ten minutes versus Brentford, a new recruit Leon Bailey hasn't hasn't played since his cameo um, against Watford on the first day. But with Al Ghazi and, and Traore also in the mix, and Phil and Jean uh, Bidais and Jacob Ramsey making good progress from the academy, um, Dean Smith has a wealth of options at his disposable at his disposable disposal. Um, the first question is though, how how do you see Smith sort of lining the team up um, with now some some genuine options available to to either play like a front two or a front three or the the more um, preferred sort of one up with three behind? I'm thinking that Dean Smith has gone 1996 Kevin Keegan, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna play them all and say we're gonna score one more than you. Uh, though he's not really going to do that. I think I think it should be horses for courses. I think that Dean Smith has bemoaned, albeit in his very subtle way, um, lack of options and, 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 and lack of tactical flexibility with the players at his disposal. I think what he has now with this new lineup of, of, of front players, you know, that just roll off the tongue there, as you, you mentioned, a bunch of them, uh, it's it's quite frightening that the attacking talents that we have available to us now as Aston Villa, once they're all available. And lots of the debate now has gone around how do we get them all on the pitch? And I said last week, I don't think we do get them all on the pitch. I think finally, after many, many years, probably since the Martin O'Neill days, we're going to finally have a squad which has genuine first-class options from the bench which is, again, what the big teams have, and that's the direction you want to be moving in. But I feel like we're going to see a front two, and I think we might see a front two because of that statement that Dean Smith made in terms of Ollie Watkins won't be moved out to the wing. But if you do play a front two, then you are asking questions, shall we say, of our central midfielders. So, I mean, it's really, really tricky then because do we have the strong enough central midfielders to play two alone there with wingers as well? So it's really tricky. It's really, really tricky. But I think that Dean Smith is an attacking manager at heart. We had Steve Bruce for a long time. We had Alex McLeish. We had Paul Lambert. We know what it's like as Aston Villa fans to have defensive coaches and one of the things that I think we all love about Dean Smith is he is not one of those. He's always going to try and score goals. He's always going to try and be on the front foot. And he's always going to try and hurt the opposition. And when he gets a 1-0 lead, you know, he always says, 
we go for the second goal, we go for the third goal, we go to kill off the game rather than try and park the bus and sit on a lead. So I think we're going to see two strikers. And I think we could see, what I would like to see, and we'll talk about this in some more detail later on, is I'd like to see a 3-5-2 in certain games. And I think Chelsea is the perfect game for that. But I think we're going to see two strikers. And I think that I think that's what James Ward-Price was there for. I think he was there to be the central midfielder that can play in a two. And I think that Dean Smith dreams of playing two strikers. And I think that that's what it's going to be. What do you think? I tend to agree. I, I, I can't see any any way really that that you can you can not do that um, because of the, the 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 two options that are available. I mean, you know, people I mean, people say, don't they? So, you know, Danny Ings hasn't come to um, to sit on the bench, and of course he of course he hasn't. I mean, but that's part of being a professional footballer. If you uh, if you don't hit the standards, but um, I certainly think the. The, the option of playing the two will be very, very tempting. And I think um, it was either Mark or Dan or yourself, um, it might have been you, yourself actually, that suggested that um, maybe the Shakespeare influence, and I don't mean the bard, I mean... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean uh, sorry, that's tickled me. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, the assistant manager. Um, that You know, he... he, he has been involved with teams, particularly the Leicester team, obviously that, that that played the two up front, played the four or the two holding midfielders and the and the wide men. So um so the four four two essentially. But you know, there are obviously different ways to play it and different kind of strategies to 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 make it work. And um it's just about finding the right one that that kind of suits the the personnel that that you have really. The, and it feels like the squad now, um, if you look at the balance of the squad, it feels like it's set up to play that that system. It feels like it's more directed towards playing a four four two or a, a variation of that um, than a four three three. To me, the the worry for me is that we I just feel we look better in a four three three. We we look more assured and 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 more solid, you know, but. But certainly, you, when you look at the players we have at our disposal, I mean, you know, a, five, a, a three five two, for example, you know, it doesn't accommodate. It, I don't know where you fit in people like um, Bailey and Buendia and Traore into that into that system, really. So, I guess it depends how 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 things go. Um, but I think they'll be very keen, certainly at home, to try a four four two type formation. Well, we also can look at the uh, 4-2-3-1, which was a Dean Smith favourite from last season um, with, you know, the choices there that uh, he would have, obviously, Jack Grealish on the, the left. He would have Ross Barkley in the 10 role when Bob Ross was available. And it was Trezeguet uh, in the beginning and then Troyore was your, your right winger. Now, for me, we don't have a natural number 10 now to sit in that Ross Barkley role. People will talk about Ings doing it. I'm not sure that I've ever seen Ings come to the centre circle and get on the ball, turn and spray passes left and right as Bar- as Barkley at his best was doing in the beginning before Barkley fell off a cliff. Um, I've long advocated for the wizard, uh, the wizard wonder Bertrand Traore to be given a, a, a run at number ten. Um, we see that Buendia doesn't look particularly comfortable there in the limited 
you know, time we've seen it. I'm not sure it's Bailey's game, but again, we haven't seen Bailey, so I could be wrong about that. And then you've got Chukwamenka, who I think is a natural number 10. You've got Aaron Ramsey, who is a natural number 10. We saw last season that Jacob Ramsey is not a natural number 10. Um, but then the youngsters are a little bit too young. So the 4 2 3 1 with or some combination of that, do you think we see that? But then it means either Watkins or Ings is 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 kind of out of position there, Andy. Yeah, I think Ings I can see Ings playing playing more as a number ten or, or certainly as a as a as a short striker really. Um you know a deep striker, deep lying striker more than a pushed on midfielder. I think he's he's certainly got that and I think he likes to drop off and and, and get involved a, a bit more um than the, you know Watkins strength is clearly sort of pushing right up on the defender, isn't it? And 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 stretching the play and and you know holding the ball and and, and making those those runs in behind is just so good at it, and that's what you know. We need to make sure that you know. And a lot of a lot was said about this. I was I was always an advocate um, of Watkins shifting wide. If you know, if if we did bring in another striker, but I just think we lose so much of, of our game if if that happens. And we've we've perhaps seen that in the first three games of this season. Um, how much. Watkins not not being there has has affected our attacking play. You know, on a, on and off the ball, you know, he's he's he he, he leads that he leads the press as well, and he's he's so good at it. Oh yeah, he's been incredible. But with Ings, Andy, I mean, if he's if he's playing deeper, surely the whole point of having Danny Ings to to play devil's advocate here, surely the whole point of having him is to you he's Mister Johnny on on the spot. He's your fox in the box in that penalty area is where he comes alive. If he's you know starting the move, um, he's not where we 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 want him. I would I would imagine, and I haven't seen, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm be, maybe I'm selling Danny Ing short. I haven't seen anything from him to to suggest that he's the second coming of Dennis Bergkamp. I like to see him in the box on the end of things, but but then again, I don't know how it works. I mean. W- w- would you not rather have Danny Ings in the six-yard box, or you think he can? He he's got that ability to do to do both. I think he can do both in a, in a similar way to perhaps you know less less so, but in a similar way to maybe how Harry Kane plays. You know, he, he you'll often see Harry Kane start a move or be involved in a move and and and, and end up in the penalty area. Um, the thing about Ings, I just don't think you can take that that striker's instinct out of his game. Um, and that's the the kind of conundrum, really, because he's he's probably a, more of a natural finisher, natural striker than 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 Watkins. But Watkins is a is a better front man because of what he offers you. So yeah, it's it's finding that balance really. But I think I think as long as they don't overcomplicate it, I think it, I said before, I think it could be absolute dynamite. The two um, the two up front. Um, I mean, we were going to sort of talk about this in the next thing, ne- next bit, but we might as well sort of carry on with it, really, because I think, I think the front two is a really interesting thing. I think it's something that Villa fans, you know, when I when I listen to people in the at the ground and when people, you know, the discourse on Twitter and and various other things, I feel like Villa fans want it. I feel like 
you know, if they took a vote, <laughs> you know, if, what are these things where you can vote on things now with, with football, this cryptocurrency, you know, uh, if they took a vote on the system, I think I think two up front would be really, really popular amongst the Villa fans. I think they want, they'd want to try it. And, I, you know, I, I kind of want us to try it. And the point I was kind of going to, I was going to make, and it's, this goes back to what you were saying last season when when Grealish was injured we need to find another way of playing without Grealish we can't just keep playing the same way that's that we that that was successful because Grealish was there and just hope it hope it sort of clicks again um we need yeah, to it was, we need to it was force stupid. the issue yeah yeah I, we, I I'm not I'm not critical of Dean Smith very much but I was vocally critical about that because it was just it was just stupid he was banging his head against a brick wall trying to do something that, you know, you've got a one-off magical player in Grealish who we are going to talk about soon <laughs> um, in more detail. But, and, and you know, there's no one that fills that role. I think yeah, the main concern I'll repeat to you with is it means we've got to have a two-man midfield then. And we saw with a two-man midfield uh, on the opening day against Watford, which was marvellous, and it was uh, John McGinn. It, it, it leaves holes everywhere, big holes, big, big holes in that Watford game and holes equal goals. You could put that on a T-shirt, um, both for and against, by the way. And a 4-4-2, let's assume with Bailey and Buendia either side of, and Ings and Watkins in the middle. Hey, look, that scores goals against any team in the league. But the flip side of that is, going back to the Kevin Keegan 1996 reference, I think it also concedes goals against every team in the league. And and then the next question is, Andy, is there then a combination of midfielders that we currently have on staff at Aston Villa that are able to effectively guard the shop on their own? Uh, Louise McGinn seems to be the, the preferred option, but is that going to morph into Sanson and McGinn when Sanson gets gets fit is it going to be Ramsey and marvelous is it even Twanzebi who we saw briefly I think pop up in defensive midfielder uh, is Twanzebi going to get a run there um what would be your midfield two to make that attacking four work assuming it is going to be Bailey Buendia Ings Watkins who are the two that can protect and and guard the shop well I think the two that he trusts are, are Douglas Louise and McGinn aren't they you know they're the two that kind of have the shirts more often than not I think um I think I think Nakamba um comes in and does a job when you need that you need that kind of shield um but that's all you're going to get from him and he's very good at that I think but you know you know he can get overrun as as, as we saw or he can get just get 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 um you know they were they were just um, Watford were just putting balls over the over the top into the into the wide areas, weren't they? So, I think I think Douglas Louise and 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 McGinn would would be my two. Um, but like I say, um, there are, there are different ways, and and this is where you know I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend I know um, what goes on in in football coaching, but there are different ways. Of, of of arranging things, and there are different ways of 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 
of uh, using your, your your personnel to to make sure you get the best out of them. Well, Jack you know. Grealish told us all last week, Andy. We don't really know how football works anyway, so you, well, you're no, bang we, on there. No, we don't. We do, we don't. And uh, you know, and you know, maybe if he was a uh, a little bit more uh, in tune with with real life, um, <laughs> we wouldn't be where we are. But there, there we are. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I I think it'd be Dougie and 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 McGinn, but I'm although. You know, I've kind of said I think we'll go for a front two. Um, I hope we don't do it against Chelsea because uh, they will they will run through our midfield um, at the drop of a hat. I think um, if we don't have three in there. Yeah, I I, I would do a a, a a three five two against Chelsea, but we'll we'll talk about that later on when we come to the, the Chelsea game specifically. Yeah, yeah. I just think um, they, that front four is going to be frightening. Uh, switching uh, Traore for any of those four, and it's going to score goals. Um, I I I love the look of it, but I do worry. But we haven't necessarily seen it in in action. You know, Villa haven't. The only times off the top of my head in the Premier League we've played a four four two has been when we've been chasing games. I think there was a West Brom game where Keenan Davis came on alongside Watkins, and we and we looked good. And then there was a couple of other occasions as well. But the other thing about the four four two, which is a point I've also mentioned. If you're going to play in a four-four-two, I, I feel like Wesley or Davis are, are, are the type of striker that you'd want. You know, the big, the big battering ram, and then you've got the little uh, Ings or Watkins beside them buzzing around and and, and, and wreaking havoc. But obviously, uh, Wesley's gone to uh, Club Bruges. Wish you all the best, Wes. And uh, Davis is made of uh, poppadoms. <laughs> he is. He is. Looks tasty, but keeps falling apart. There um, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the the other thing I'll throw in um, while we're talking about the attackers is is Leon Bailey. Obviously, we're eagerly awaiting. I can't wait to see him um, play play start playing full games for Villa. Um, but when he when he signed, I remember Dean Smith referred to him as a striker. Um, I mean, we we we've all assumed that he's going to play out wide, um, either of it. You know, in a in a four four two or in a wide of a three up front, um, but Dean Smith definitely referred to him as a striker, and I wonder if that's a you know a sign of how he intends to use him. Well, if he's doing a if, he, if he's doing a club, old old Clopper, who old, my my mate Cloppy, I've, uh, who I always call him Clopper, I don't know why. Um, if he's going to do that, because Mane, uh, Firmino, and um, and uh, Mo Salah. Um, none of those play as wingers. You know that is that is three strikers, and then obviously you've got uh, the the midfield in behind them who do do the legwork. Um, Mane is probably the, the 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 one that plays furthest wide, but he isn't chalk on his boots as a winger. So so it could be that Dean Smith is has the the, the does play three genuine strikers like Liverpool do, and um, and and we see, you know, when that works well, Liverpool can absolutely overwhelm and devastate teams. But they also have absolute machines; they have absolute robots in the middle, charging around and 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 um, you know, pressing the life out of any of any of any attack. And they also have two of the fittest uh, uh, fullbacks and most effective attacking fullbacks in the league to fill those positions and make sure they give the team width. Obviously, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold 
are both maybe the two best in the league in terms of delivery from wide areas. Matt Target is excellent, not as good as Robertson, uh, obviously, but he is excellent in, in delivery and, and when he's fit, he does have the engine. Matty Cash certainly has the engine to get up and down, up and down, up and down. He can run all day for you. But no one, you know, even, you know, Matty Cash's mom and his biggest fan, no one's going to pretend he has anything like the quality of a Trent uh, Alexander-Arnold uh, going forward in terms of his delivery or his distribution. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for that system, if, if, if it is to be a Liverpool 4-4-3 system, it really depends on super fit midfielders covering lots of yards. And, and it's also really dependent on your fullbacks getting really, really high and delivering uh, uh, quality balls into, into the danger areas, uh, which I think Target has, but I don't think from what we've seen so far and still maybe early days, you know, he's only a year uh, in the Premier League. Um, I haven't seen anything to suggest that Matt Cash has that kind of um, prowess going forward. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the huge thing about the way Liverpool play. They're so blessed with those, those, those wide um, those fullbacks, um, and we, we've seen, haven't we? You know, with, with Trent himself, you know, he's not fancied as a defensive. You know, in, in the more defensive setup um, with England as a as a right back, um, you know, because he is so attacking, um, he's almost there. Well, as he can't. A, he can't yeah. defend. He's he's one of the, he's one of the worst one v one defenders you'll ever seen. He's like the inverse of Wambisaka. They're like opposites. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Saka yeah. can't cross a road, uh, uh, and uh, uh, but you can't get past him. Whereas Trent's the absolute opposite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm sure he'll move into the midfield. And you know, we we did highlight, didn't we, Matt, Matt Cash um, as as being someone that did need to kick on this season, and we felt that he he had his defensive game. Um, you know, well sorted really as part of that back four that was so miserly last season. Um, but he just needed to, um, you know, to get to get into attacking areas a bit a bit more readily and and and, and deliver deliver better. And you know, maybe we'll see it as the as the season goes on. You know, it's been it's been a it's been a really topsy turvy start to the season, I think, for Villa and a lot of these players. And um, I think things will settle down, and you'll we'll, we will see see these players. Um, reproducing their form of last season, I think. I, th- I think the big thing, just one more point on cash before we move on, is is composure. You know, I described him last season as like a, a meerkat kind of sniffing out danger, which was what Elmo wasn't when he came in and we conceded that stupid goal to Sheffield United uh, where Elmo switched off, where cash would never have switched off like that. But he's like a meerkat with his head, head on a swivel. He's, he's so frantic um, in defence, so he swarms attackers, and 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 we really like that, and he's he's all action. But then when he ha- crosses the halfway line, you need him to almost take a breath, take a deep breath, Matt. Look for your pass, pick your spot. But he doesn't do that. He's he's got that same frantic energy, you know, when whenever he crosses the halfway line. And um, but again, early days. Hopefully, um, this is something that that the coaches are working on with him, and this is something that he can develop. Again, young player. Set only his second year in, 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 in the Premier League, only his third year as a right back. So uh, he still has some, some time to, uh, to, to address that. And given that he's a converted winger, you would hope that that skill set can be teased out of him somewhere down the road. Yeah, I mean, and, and talking of Matty Cash, there was a lot of talk after the, the, the Newcastle game about, um, you know, about his Barnet really, wasn't there? And and his hairdo and you know you just wonder how long it'll be before he before he shaves that off and uh, you know (laughs) 
goes for goes for more my my sort of look um <laughs> on the on the right on the right hand side there um but i don't know whether it's the same story down below craig i mean i, d- I don't know what you think well, he looks like a very well-groomed man. I think he's taken over as uh, lots of the, uh, the the uh, the 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 choice of some of the um, those people who are casting wanton looks at the Villa players. He may now be the number one choice after after uh, after Jack Grealish's exit. But I only have eyes for Anwar Al Ghazi, my beautiful baby boy. Um, but yeah, Matt Cash does seem to be thinning out on top. Whether or not he's thinning out down in the middle is for anyone to guess. But uh, before Matt Cash uh, pops off to Turkey to get some implants, here's what you can do to make sure that your special area is nice and neat. You can use our promo code, which is L-A-M-P, LAMP, at manscaped.com, which is going to get you 20% off all of the magical products over at Manscaped. Now, we were talking about John Rambo earlier in our group chat. And John Rambo, you know, he's special forces. He's in the, uh, he's in the jungle. And when you think of the jungle, you're thinking of perspiration. You're thinking of humidity. You're thinking of the rainforest and exotic animals. Well, it's time for you to keep your exotic animal cool. We don't want it to be humid down there. We don't want special forces to be... Um, banished from those regions. We want to allow special forces in, in more ways than one. And the way you're going to do that is by keeping your rainforest clear of sweaty, humid hair. And the best way to do that is with the absolutely stonking Manscaped 4.0 razor with the ceramic blade. It is going to clear your rainforest And don't worry, you'll still be able to breathe easy. This is not going to damage the planet. This is not going to affect our ability to breathe. We're not going to be releasing carbon dioxide into the air. In fact, you're going to be releasing less poisonous gas into the air with Manscaped because you're going to make sure that your area is so clean and so sweet smelling with the ball deodorant and all the other wonderful creams and elixirs that you can get from manscaped.com that you're going to be contributing to the beautification of our planet. And it starts with your bushy pubes. Get rid of them with manscaped.com. So don't forget, it's 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P. That's 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P at manscaped.com. Blimey. Thank you. Craig, I was transported. I was transported there to that rainforest. Um, but yeah, no, take heed, people. Get it sorted. Um, but aside, moving on, <laughs> aside from the, the Argentine contingent, um, of course, our leaders in the dressing room, uh, Tyro Mings and John McGinn, have also been on international duty um, with England and Scotland, respectively. Uh, Mings kept his, I believe it was his 12th England clean, clean sheet in 14 games, whilst McGinn um, returned from his COVID isolation to help Scotland defeat Moldova 1-0. Um, and I believe he's playing tonight as we're recording now. Meanwhile, our ex-skipper has decided to stick the boot in um, to his so-called boyhood club once more during an ICV interview um, before an England game last week. 
it feels like it's it, to me like it's never been easier to to let Grealish go. Um, he's not covered himself in in glory as far as I'm concerned since he left. There are ways of doing things, but whilst our our new captain and vice captain are, are really stepping up and showing, you know, that true leadership and commitment that that maybe we've been missing. You know, they're, they're you know they're proper pros that 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 are you know role models. I, I believe. Um, you know, how do you feel about how this sort of transition is going? And, you know, does Grealish throwing shade like this uh, damage his standing at Villa? It's kind of beyond repair. And, and, and or do, you, do you actually care about this? Uh, yes, it does damage his standing. Probably not beyond repair. I think time is a great healer. And do I care? Yeah, absolutely I care. I mean, look, um, Jack Grealish has wonderful footballing gifts. Um, I will never um, say anything, you know, otherwise because it would be me lying. Um, he is one of the most delightful players um, to watch that I've ever seen in an Aston Villa shirt. Um, but let's talk about what he isn't. Um, Jack Grealish is not, in my opinion, a thoughtful or considered public speaker. He's not a gifted uh, orator. And nor does Jack seem to have retained much, if any, information from his, no doubt, countless hours of media training. And that's not a criticism. I think that is also, it's just me stating my opinion of, of, of what the facts are. But that has also been one of the most appealing things about Jack, or at least it was up until he started spouting off uh, uh, recently. Um, Jack Grealish has been one of the few players who, uh, when interviewed by, by various media outlets, don't just give you monotonous, robotic, cliched answers when being interviewed. You feel like you're speaking to a real human being. But this off-the-cuff style that he is famous for, particularly being off-the-cuff concerning his transfer, has probably lifted the veil a little bit um, in terms of how he really felt. And um, when he's talking about his transfer to Manchester City, when he's talking about the insertion of the £100 million release clause into his contract and how he believed that Man City would trigger that, and that was the idea all along. When he talks about him moving to Man City, making him a better player already, you know, after three games. And when he talks about this improving his England prospects, which is backed up by the fact that he magically starts, the second uh, for England, should I say, Jack Grealish magically starts for England, the second he's playing for Man City, whereas obviously he would struggle to buy a start when he was uh, Villa captain. Um, all of these things that he said have painted Villa almost exclusively in a bad light and also pissed off Villa fans. Um, it didn't piss me off initially because I didn't watch it. And the reason I didn't watch it is because I knew it was going to piss me off. <laughs> so <laughs> do I care? Yeah, absolutely. I care, Andy. Uh, you know, this is a footballer that I grew very attached to, as many of us have listening over the years. Uh, and not just because he's a football player, but because of the, the local symmetry. He grew up where I grew up. He went to school where I went to school. We probably caught the same bus to school down the same road, shopped in the same shops uh, in Touchwood there in Solihull. And probably even ate at the same uh, Grease Burger van <laughs> walking into Villa Park as kids, you know, with our Paul Merson shirts on. I am slightly older than Jack, but not, you know, not too much, Andy. Um, so, um, and, and both of us probably sat in the stands, as you may have, Andy, as listeners may have, dreaming one day of maybe, just maybe, pulling on that sacred Aston Villa shirt ourselves. 
Now, sadly for me, Andy, I can't speak for your footballing prowess, but I was nowhere near close to being good enough uh, to be a footballer for Aston Villa or anyone else of note for that matter. Just about got into my Sunday league team half the time. Um, But, you know, for those of us that weren't good enough to ever really do it, you know, we lived a joy vicariously through Jack Grealish. And he only left a month ago, you know. So when people say, oh, get over it, get over it. No, it's a few weeks ago. This is someone that we had an emotional investment with. But to me, he seems to be rubbing salt in the wounds with these comments. And and obviously, it seems clear now that we were very naive. Myself, you know, chiefly, I never believed he'd leave after nine months. Um, you know, but it seems Andy has been trying to get out of the club for years. And that release clause was the mechanism which Jack believed, according to that interview, that would guarantee his exit. And now the truth's coming out and it can't. It, it, it kind of feels like you've not only been um, kicked to the floor, but, um, you know, he's, he's come back and spitting on you for good measure when, when, when you'd, you'd almost appreciate some silence so you, you can get, on, get over it. It's, um, it, 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 it's, it's hard to swallow, um, actually, and it's, it's disappointing, it's upsetting. Um, I would like to say, yeah, I don't care. And, and I, I won't care forever. <laughs> Like, you know, when some months or some years pass, it won't bother me anymore. You know, we'll, we'll all move on. But it's still new to me, and it's still raw. I don't know. I don't know that um, I'm over it, quite frankly. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You almost feel like, um, you know, you, you're kind of dragging it out a little bit if you you continue to comment on it. And we've tried, I think, to, to, to move forward um, on this podcast. We've tried not to... To, to talk a lot about him or to, you know, to make it a, about him after, you know, the, the the podcast we did on the day that he left. Um, but I think, you know, it does feel a little bit personal. And I think I think the the other aspect is that, you know, following up from the, you know, Ashley Priest's excellent article um, that he wrote um, responding to Grealish's interview um, in the Birmingham, in Birmingham Mail, um, last week, where you know he essentially called him out, didn't he? And and Grealish responded, and you know, and uh, you know, and really showed showed some true colours. I thought, um, you know, it was very kind of, and you know, we alluded to it to it earlier. Very kind of uh, condescending, I thought, and um, I just thought it was, it, you know, it was a, a bit of a disgrace, really. You know, players generally, you know stay away from that sort of thing because it's not worth it's just not worth getting involved in that but but Jack has obviously had a look at it and 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 and, and been annoyed by it and he's 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 responded and you know I, I think uh I think Ashley Priest came out of it out of it a lot better than than Jack did but well, um, yeah. the, the responses Andy there wasn't a response was it it was just him whinging he didn't take the time to write a detailed reply Hi, I'm sorry you feel this way. I can see how my comments may have been um, misconstrued, but here's what I really meant. I would never mean to disrespect. He didn't. He just whined like a little baby. Um, Why are you saying this? This is the most unfair, or or, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but this is the most unfair article I've ever seen. I mean, well, uh, you know, goodness me, I hope he doesn't read any of the articles that come from his nation state employers about some of the stuff that goes on over there, because... He might see some real bias. Um, he didn't address, as far as I could see, any of the points raised in the article directly or, or, or explain himself. 
It just seemed to be, you know, a petulant response without any kind of without any kind of uh, uh, authority to it. No kind of reasoning, no kind of explanation, just someone having a bit of a, a, a hissy fit. Yeah, to- totally. And I think I think that's that that's how it seemed. And you sort of think this is a guy that's been been a cap- the captain of a Premier League team. But as we as we said before, um yeah, he was captain for for reasons other than his captaincy ability, wasn't he? You know, and um, during his time as captain, and obviously before that, you know, there was a there was an awful lot of stuff that I think um, the club turned a blind eye to and protected him from. Um, he's 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 done some really daft things uh, during his career. You know, and you wonder, you wonder whether if 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 these things were to be repeated, you know, he's, if he has a bit of a, a dry spell at City, finds himself out of the team and goes off the rails a little bit. Um, not saying he would do necessarily, hopefully not. But you know, he's he whether whether Man City and Pep Guardiola would be quite so understanding as as Villa were, or, or Villa had to be to some degree. Um, you know, so, so I don't think they will be. No. I don't think they will be. And, and the other thing, Andy, I would say, all of those incidents, those are just the ones we know about. Those are the ones that are made the press. So you can't think that there were incidents and other things. You know, I'm, I'm speculating here, so let me make clear that I'm speculating. I'm not speaking uh, as, as if I'm a, a, an authority on this and I'm, I'm not trying to pass off this opinion as fact. But you would suspect that if those things are the ones that have made the press... There has to be a whole heap of other things that were kept in house or swept under the rug, or, or they were able to keep quiet. Yeah, very possibly. And you know, you, you do you, you do hear things on on the grapevine, and like we say, we we don't know details. I'm I'm certainly not in, uh, moving in the same circles as Jack Grealish, but you know, in the no Andy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but I think you know that that's that's possibly true. But you know, the things that he has that has that is in the public domain as as facts. Um, you know, are bad enough as it is, you know. So, uh, I, but we all turned a blind eye, didn't we? Um, I remember being extremely disappointed with him with the COVID um, breach and um, the drink driving incident that, that that occurred as part of that. I remember thinking this is this is just really really embarrassing, um, and I I was in favour of him uh, losing the captaincy at that point. Um, because I just thought that's that's bad for the club, you know. But it was all it was all kind of passed off, and by the time they they restarted the season, it had kind of been forgotten about, really. But um, you know, I just think I, I just I just look at it now, and to bring this back to 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 Villa and the present, I just look at the way Tyrone Mings and John McGinn, in particular, conduct themselves in the press. Um, Every time Tyra Mings and, and and let's let's get this right, Tyra Mings is one who who will also um, respond on Twitter and speak out um, if he if he feels something's unfair. Um, but there's just a totally different tone with him. There's just a totally different um, way of doing it, and um, far more professional, far more intelligent. Um, you know, it's not about intelligence necessarily, but it's just about it's just about being able to to project what you what you think and feel in the in the 
in the in the correct way and 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 Tyrone's very good at that and and John McGinn you know he's he's a bit of a, a class clown isn't he but it's in you know it's it's good natured and when he talks about Aston Villa and what it means to him to play for Aston Villa um it's worlds away from 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 Jack Grealish um at the moment I feel and and John McGinn's got no reason to feel like that particularly um because he's he's you know he's he's Scottish and he's a Celtic fan and he's played for Hibs, so he's not you know a Villa boy by any means. But it feels like he's bought into the ethos of the club really, really well. And I'll I'll, I'll it's I'll just add sorry, I'll just on, add about Andy. about Grealish. When you look back now and you you know you hear him talking in interviews about you know I need to get more assists. Is that he was obsessed with with his statistics and things like that? You know, it just feels like. To me, he for certainly for the last season and maybe the last couple of seasons, he's kind of used Villa as a as a vehicle for himself for his own career, and he's used his teammates um, as a way of getting his own numbers up so he can he can um, progress his career, and maybe that's what footballers do. I don't know, but that doesn't feel like a a, a leader of a team um, and a captain with a with a real team ethos to me. No, I I think that that is that is the, that is a thing. I think we've we've learned he had one eye on the exit do, exit uh, for for a long long time. We were just waiting for someone to to come in, and and someone did come in. Um, but I think that um, if um, if Jack Grealish is being advised properly, I mean, I'm sure that um, that the uh, that that the his handlers are well compensated for their time, shall we say? Um, that perhaps he Jack. Jack Grealish might be encouraged to keep his counts a little more, and if someone asks him a question relating to his transfer, um, perhaps speak with um, glowing terms. You know, thank the club and Dean Smith in particular for progressing Jack Grealish in the player that he was today. The player that Dean Smith inherited from Steve Bruce in that championship season is not the same Jack Grealish that just moved for £100 million four weeks ago. It's They are very different people. So I think that Jack could have a little bit more humility. I think he he could certainly thank Aston Villa a little bit more or just not mention it at all, just don't say anything. Silence is better than better than this. Um, but he's, he's doing what he's doing. And I think whenever uh, Manchester City rock up at Villa Park, which I think is in October at some point, point um, if I'm not mistaken, November. could be wrong. November, there you go. I am wrong. Um, <laughs> it will be, it will be interesting to see the kind of response that you'll you'll get. Well, you're there, Andy. You are you are K two Villa. Um, what kind of response are you going to give him? Or, or you're not sure yet. Is it going to be a visceral reaction on the day? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It depends how many pints I've had before. But I think I think um, that this is the thing. If it was handled correctly, there were always going to. There will always be people that boo ex-players. That's 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 part of being a fan. That's fine. No problem with that at all. Um, but the the f- uh, ferocity of the response um, towards him um, could have been well could have been far better managed. Um, now he might not care. You know, if 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 you know if the whole end is baying for his his head, um, he might not care. He might like that. You know, that might be what he what he's after. That might be a motivator for him uh, as a professional footballer, but um, I think it'll be a shame for someone like that to return to the club 
um, as a as as now I, I believe you know a, a kind of a, more of a figure of hate in inverted com- inverted commas because he's only a footballer. We don't need to hate footballers, but um, in in the context of football, he'll be a figure of hate, and he'll he'll get he'll get dogs abuse, I believe. And um, I think. Yeah, of course. You know, I'll, I'll join in with that. I'll, I'll boom. You know, within the within the uh, the boundaries of good taste, so I'd like to think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll certainly be a, a very toxic evening, um, and certainly if uh, Man City run through us like um, like they have done in recent years, it could could get a bit nasty. I think. Well, yeah, Man City can do that to any club, as can uh, our next opponents. Uh... Chelsea (laughs) yeah absolutely and we'll move on we'll move on to Chelsea at the weekend um it's it's so strange to to go into a season um hoping that Chelsea Chelsea over you know catch Man City and and uh and and have a really good go for the title because uh I just I just want anyone but Man City to win it but um, anyone even Man United well, uh, yeah, maybe anyone. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I just, just quickly on that. I can't imagine um, the champions of the Premier League being managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I just can't. I just. I, it doesn't fit. It doesn't seem right. Oh, to me, I, I don't. I, look, they they can bring in Brucey if they like. I still cheer them on uh, as long as City don't win it. Yeah, but that yeah. that's me probably being petty. But so what? I'm petty. And what? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the preserve of a football fan to be petty, I think, and uh, we're all here for it, to be honest. Um, yeah. But on Saturday, Villa head to the West End to face European champions Chelsea, um, a team we we managed to beat in the final game of last season. Um, Chelsea have have started very impressively this season, and the signing of Romelu Lukaku has only really strengthened their Premier League title ambitions. He's been. I think he's an incredible signing for them. Um, Villa will be without Martinez and Buendia, as we discussed earlier, but Smith will hope to be able to to call on the services of Leon Bailey, Bertrand Troyore, and, and Ollie Watkins, um, who are returning from injury. Um, McGinn and Mings um, and Jacob Ramsey, hopefully, will also be available. Um, and of course, my man Super Jed Steer will be uh, will be in, in the sticks for that one. Um, how we, I mean, we talked a bit about this earlier, but how would you like to see a setup for this one, and 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 what chance a big upset for this game? Uh, chances of a big upset, not not fantastic, um, but we did beat them on the last uh, Chelsea. That is, uh, we did beat Chelsea on the last day of last season, and we did that by riding our luck and being absolutely clinical. I think with Bertie knocking one in the top corner from a cute set piece routine. And uh, then Bertie won a penalty, uh, which El Ghazi, of course, coolly converted. Um, and then we did ride our luck at times, which you need to do, I think, against these kind of teams. So Jed Steer, your mate, uh, playoff hero Jed Steer, will need to be in West Bromwich Albion form for us uh, <laughs> against Chelsea. So hopefully he's saved, uh, you know, whatever he, well, whatever pan... <laughs> he had on. a pretty terrible game that night, if I remember rightly, before the penalties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, sorry, carry on. Well, whatever pants he was wearing, whatever his pre-match routine was, whatever you know, whatever he had for dinner, a bit of spag bol, do it again, Jed, because we're going to need you on Saturday. And uh, yeah, so um, I would line up. Uh, Dean Smith won't do this, but I would line up and play a three-five-two to match them up. 
Uh, it would be Steer in goal, obviously. Uh, Mings on the left, Konza uh, in the middle, and Twan Zabi on the right of a back three. I would play... Um, I would play Matt Cash as right wing back and Target as left wing back. Um, Matt Cash is just squeaks. I would probably have Ashley Young a right wing back for his delivery, but I would. But Cash squeaks in because of his long throw routines. And then I would really park the bus. I'd have a midfield three of marvelous Douglas Louise and Super John McGinn. No wingers. Uh, with the, you know the width, the width is coming from Target and, and and Cashy, and then I'd have a front two of of Watkins and Ings, and and my whole thing would be let's strangle the game, match up Chelsea player for player, and then offensively you're looking for Watkins doing his you know his his forcing an error by closing people down and pressing, and and Ings being John on the spot to put the chance that will come away, um, but Smith won't do any of that. <laughs> He's going to do his four four three. Um, I'd still expect Marv to come in for this game because this is the games for Marvellous when we're going to be under the cosh. He wins the ball. He gives it mostly back to a Villa player, which is all you're asking for. He's not going to be given time and space uh, to, 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 to make the play, which he obviously we know he can't do at this point. Um, so I, I think we'll see a front three of, um, of, of Al-Ghazi, Ings and probably Watkins if he's if he's ready. I'm assuming Bailey won't be fit to start. Um but I think that I think it's going to be a good game. I think that, that Chelsea are a good team. I, I really am impressed with the job that Tam Tuchel has done. Um you were talking about Solskjaer earlier. Um you know Chelsea getting rid of Lampard was was controversial in certain circles, but you see the difference that an elite manager makes. Uh, you know, you know, it's it's night and day between Lampard's Chelsea and Tuchel's Chelsea, and maybe if Manchester United had an elite manager, uh, it would be similar for them because Solskjaer is not an elite manager as nice a man as he appears to be. So, um, not that this is a Man United podcast, but you mentioned Solskjaer, and I just thought of that uh, comparison there. So, yeah, I would go go three five two, but I think it's going to be Dino with his four three three, and um, he's going to try and try and score some goals. I think. We've had some real problems in the last couple of games with Ben Chilwell, but he seems to be out of favour. Um, so that's good news. And also I'm hearing that Lukaku and uh, Kante may be doubtful, which is more good news for Villa. So um, who knows? Maybe we can we can sneak an upset, Andy. Well, you never know. And often the first game after an international break can catch people a bit cold. And certainly if, if Villa have got one or two players coming back... Um, you know, it might give us a little boost. Um, I would go with with four three three, um, and I would actually um, stick with um, Twanzebe in the in the uh, back in the middle uh, with um, uh, with Mings, and I'd I'd play Conza um, at, at right back, and then I'd uh, I'd go with Target. Presumably, oh, I don't know. Ashley Young, it's tempting. Ashley Young, probably. Ash- I know I'd go with Ashley Young at, at, at left back, um, and I'd go Douglas Louise, McGinn, and Sanson in the in the middle, um, and then up front, um, Watkins, Ings, and Bailey. I'd, I'd go for it, but obviously, if Bailey isn't ready, um, then perhaps uh, Al oh, Ghazi, obviously. But um, um, yeah, that's how I would I would line up and 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 just. You know, just like you say, keep keep things keep things tight. You know, but we're going to have to absorb an awful lot of pressure um, on Saturday. There's, whether Lukaku plays or not, you know that they're going to they are going to swarm all over us, and, and we need to be astute. Um, and like you say, take our opportunities and and be be 
effective on the break, you know, not not heads gone on the break, just, you know, wait our opportunity and be clinical. Um, and we have the players to do that, I think. I think it could be a, it could be an interesting game. I'm I'm going to Warsaw on Saturday, so I'll probably miss the first half actually. But um, <laughs> I'm, what are you uh, going to be doing in Poland? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad joke, wasn't it? No need. Yeah, EU. Um, no, no. Uh, Matty Matt Cash qualifies for Poland, doesn't he? I think so. Yeah. Through his through yeah, his granddad, I think he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that could yeah, be one to watch. Interesting one. Yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, it could be a really interesting game, and I think uh, last season we had we had two really good games against them. Um, obviously, beating them at Villa Park, and albeit they were probably had one eye on on the Champions League final. But then, you know, we 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 did really well at Stamford Bridge to get a point there. Um, that was while Lampard, I think, was still in charge, and. Um, you know, we need to take some confidence from that into into this game. I think it's not, you know, no reason why Chelsea should have it all their own way, um, and particularly if Lukaku and Kante aren't aren't playing. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a, it's an opportunity to to take a scalp early in the season, and we did that last season as well, and 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 that gave us a real boost um, going forward until Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. But what's your prediction? I'm going for a cheeky 1-1. Um I always back Villa to score and and I think that if we if we can keep it tight at the back if we don't give any stupid goals away like, you know, leaving Tony unmarked on the penalty spot or the nonsense that we let go on with Ismail Assar for the first half against Watford, I think if we can get that resilience back from from last season in 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 the back five, you know, Steer is going to slot in. He's he's Villa's longest serving player now um, so it's not like he's a stranger he's played with all these guys before you know he's played with a back line of, of Mings and uh, Twanzebi in front of him in the championship you know in big big games including the playoff final so I'm not worried about that um, they're all going to be used to each other so yeah let's let's uh, let's let's be competitive let's see what we're made of we still have to be patient if the result doesn't go our way because we know that we still haven't got our full team out and also Chelsea are maybe you know, alongside Man City title favourites. But what we can try and do is really work hard, play for each other, and um, and, and hopefully we can we can nick a point. I'd be delighted. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I'd, I'd take your arm off for 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I think I'm going to go... I'm going to... Because I can't go for the same result, and I, I never predict Villa to lose. I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. Um, I think a high, middle-high scoring draw... Um, but yeah, I think it could be a could be a good match, and um, yeah, it's, I'm 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 looking forward to it. It'd be nice after this ridiculous international break to to get back to Premier League matters for a few weeks. Um, but we'll we'll leave it there. That's all we've got time for. Thanks again for for joining me, Craig. It's been uh, it's been great to to chat this over, chat this uh, this uh, transfer break over, um, and. Thanks for everyone for, for, for listening. If you want to follow us on, on the socials, head over to Twitter, Facebook or Instagram and, get, and search us on there and then start following us. Oh, and obviously for all the content, um, go to um, underagaslitlamp.com for all the, all the coverage of uh, the first team, the women's team and, of course, the academy. Um, I, I believe Regan and, and Georgia have a... Uh, a women's podcast, Villa women's podcast in the can, and that should be that should be coming out soon. 
Um, so, so look out for that. And of course, if you need your um, manscaping products, head over to manscaped.com and use our code LAMP to get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Um, but other than that, if you're going to Chelsea, make sure you do your COVID test before you go um, and have your certification ready because they will be checking uh, quite rightly. And enjoy the day. And we'll be back next week to look ahead to the Everton game. So until then, take care, stay safe and up the villa.